You're listening to the Screeners Podcast Network. From the big screen to the small screen and everything in between, this is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hello and welcome back to the Screeners Podcast. My name is Daniel. This is Chad. And we have a special guest. You've seen him many times before on the show. It is my brother, Tyler. Hey, guys. And may I say, happy Christmas Eve. That's right. We're recording on hey. Christmas Eve. Wow. Uh, very special. Tyler and I are in the same city. He came to visit me in Las Vegas, uh, visit uh, with my whole family here. And That's kind uh, of the benefit of having twins is everybody has to come to you. Benefit? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's benefit. why you have twins. Oh, the one benefit, right. I should say. So uh, we can't wait to talk about these movies. Before we dive in to our very special double feature, we want to remind you, as always, to follow us on social media, uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at ScreenersCast. Make sure you join the conversation, interact with us, and let us know what you think about the movies that we're talking about, or if you think that we are crazy for whatever Chad said about these movies. <laughs> So it is Christmas Eve, and so we want to dive right into this double feature. Uh, We are reviewing Aquaman, but first, we're going to do a spoiler-free review of Mary Poppins Returns. Mary Poppins? Who came back? You seem hardly to have aged at all. Really? One never discusses a woman's age, Michael. Would have hoped I taught you better. We're about to lose our home. Everything's fallen to pieces since your mother. I miss mother. Nothing's gone forever, only out of place. Mary Poppins Returns is, of course, the sequel to the classic Disney film Mary Poppins. This time, it's directed by Rob Marshall, who you might know from Chicago and Into the Woods uh, and Nine and a few others. And it stars Lin-Manuel Miranda, Ben Wishaw, Emily Mortimer, and of course, starring as Mary Poppins, is Emily Blunt. The IMDb description is as follows. Decades after her original visit, the magical nanny returns to help the Banks siblings and Michael's children through a difficult time in their lives. So we are going to dive right in. Like I said, we're going to keep this spoiler free before we dive into a a full spoiler filled review of Aquaman. Uh, But I do want to hear first, before your thoughts on Mary Poppins returns, I want to hear what you think about the original Mary Poppins uh, and how that kind of colors your review of this new one. So, of course, we're going to start with our guest, Tyler. What did you think of Mary Poppins returns? Well, as, as you said, you know, let's let's set it in comparison to the original which is phenomenal i mean that that movie is one of those those films that that the the deeper you get uh, thinking about it the more nostalgic you feel the more warm and fuzzy you feel inside there are some animated sequences that are brilliant some memorable songs you know the the um tuppets a bag or or memorable and i forget the name of it right now uh oh it's beautiful of sugar you know those are some classic classic songs and unfortunately, that colored my liking of this one just a little bit. I don't think, with maybe one exception, I do not think that there are as memorable songs uh, in this one. I think that um, uh, while there's a lot of, of great um, elements in this, some, a really great, uh, beautiful animated sequence, which uh, which kind of is their answer to, to the Penguin animated sequence from from the original, there's also some... some 
there's two musical sequences that I found almost unwatchable um, in how bad they were. And, and that's not the music itself. It's the sequence. It's the animation or the, or the dancing or, or whatever. And we can get into that more later. But, but overall, I liked it. It just does pale in comparison to the original. What did you like? Emily Blunt is magnificent. Honestly, she is delightful. Uh, she's not trying to imitate Julie Andrews, which I think is is um, smart on her part. Lin Manuel Miranda, this this part of Jack, which is basically Bert from the original, um, is was written for him. It sounds like uh, it just there's there's some really good delightful moments between the family. Um, the kids are, are really fun to watch, um, and and their interaction with with Mary Poppins. There's lots of nods to the original, so I, I did like a lot of that stuff. The, the the message is still good and clear, but yeah, it just it it is not the original. Hmm. Okay. So uh. So a mixed, maybe t- a tiny bit skewing positive, but very mixed review from Tyler. Uh. All right, Chad. What did you think of the original Mary Poppins, and and what do you think of this new one? Well, you know what I think about the original Mary Poppins. I'm old, and so (laughs) I grew up with Mary Poppins in my life. Uh, You know, I believe in my personal, you know, we do a lot of lists around here. You know, we rank our top three this and that, and and we maintain our best of. And so for me personally, uh, there's a a core of, of movies that transcend lists, if you will. Meaning that if I were to list my, or try to list my top 10 movies of all time, that would be kind of difficult. Uh, I mean, I could certainly list 10 or 15 movies that have impacted me in a significant way, but there are a few films that are kind of the Mount Rushmore of movies for me, which means I don't, they really are so good or so significant to me that I can't just rank them on a list. And Mary Poppins, the original, is one of those. I probably watched Mary Poppins conservatively 200 times as a child we had you know vhs tapes not that you little kids would remember this oh i but, remember you know, VHS tapes. you know vhs tapes back in the day were very expensive like 45 bucks 50 bucks and back in those days 50 bucks was was 50 bucks and so we had for christmas we had gathered probably five over two or three christmases eight to ten vhs tapes uh, of disney films that we watched and it was a special event uh, Mary Poppins holds a really special place uh, in my heart. I think Julie Andrews, it's an all-time performance. And so the music is iconic. It's, you know, the Sherman Brothers. If you haven't had a chance to, to listen to it, you should. It's, it's available on YouTube. But the Sherman Brothers did a special feature for a re-release of Mary Poppins. Uh, I believe it was on its 50th anniversary, where they sit around together and talk about how they came up with the music. And they're at a piano and they're talking. It's wonderful to see. So I just a little side note, I'd, I'd recommend that. So I went into this knowing that one of the Sherman brothers, Richard Sherman, one has passed away. Robert Sherman has passed away. But Richard Sherman, when I saw his name pop up in the credits as a music consultant, I felt I felt hopeful, <clears throat> but I am going to agree with Tyler and say that I do think outside of two, two specific, maybe two and a half songs in here, the, the music is kind of lackluster, but I'm going to be much more positive than Tyler. We've heard it said quite a bit that they don't make movies like this anymore. I think this is an example where they really don't make movies like this uh, anymore. I mean, yes, they make movies that are sugary sweet and and try to play on nostalgia. But one of the strengths of this movie is its its core is so 
seemingly pure and hopeful and joyful, and it's just trying to be a sweet story, and it's an unashamed musical. It's just, I, I loved that part of it. I think, however, one of the biggest mistakes that this movie made, and we're going to keep this spoiler free, is that instead of a sequel, I would contend that this is more of a remake mm-hmm. because it follows beat for beat a lot of very significant moments that happened uh, in the original. It essentially has those same same moments. They're different. The songs are different. The situations are slightly different. But you there's you can draw a through line through four or five things that happen where they happen in the original. Happens in a very similar place in this one. For example, they have songs like you know feed the birds. They have lost things go that happens as a lullaby. Uh, I love to laugh. Uh, in this movie, Meryl Streep has her version of that, and it even happens in the same way where people are kind of upside down and flying around. Tyler mentioned the the animated piece of this movie, which I think is great. Uh, you know, you had the Jolly Holiday with Bert in the animated, and then this one you have the Dalton Music Hall sequence, which for me, I think that's probably the strongest Absolutely. of all of the throwbacks and the music and that, that, that specific song is great. So that one really worked. But then you have, you have Step in Time, and then this one you have this Lamplighter song, which they're all happening around the the same beats it's like oh this was the Burt song well this is this is Burt's song with Lynn uh, Manuel Miranda you have little beats like the kids getting in trouble at the bank all these things happen and so it was difficult to be surprised which I, I just could not I couldn't understand why with Emily Blunt who I agree is great why they would do that it seems that they could take advantage of some other things and thematically I'll talk about that as we unpack this a little more but I thought the opening and the closing of this film was really strong I love the way that it opened I was so moved uh, at a moment in here with with uh, is it a spoiler to say Jane and Michael Banks are the parents? I don't think no, so. No, I think that's, that's in the trailer. In the trailer. Although they're not so, the parents because that would be a strange. Oh, that's super <laughs> weird. You're right. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> yeah, it's not that kind of movie, people. Sorry. No. So. I was really moved by Michael Banks's song to his wife mm, yeah. when he's looking through, uh, looking through the attic for some, you know, some documentation. And I, I love the setup of what was going to happen. And I just felt disappointed that instead of really leaning into that setup for new things and new adventures that could happen, they just repeated the structure of the first one specifically because the kids, it seemed to me in this movie, are pretty well adjusted. I mean, yeah. it's hard to talk about this without mentioning something that's that would be considered a spoiler, but there's, there's something that's happened in their family's lives. And it seems to me that where they really could have made a lot of hay on this film is to lean into that and how specifically that has affected the kids but then not just impacted them but resulted in some behavior that Mary Poppins needed to correct Mm -hmm. but they don't really do that they talk a lot about how sad everybody is but they don't really lean into that and I think the movie this movie is at its best when it is exploring those themes anyway all that to say overall I still really like this movie just because it opens so strongly and closes so strongly. I think the last sequence in this movie is superior 
to the closing of the original. And I don't want to be, oh, wow. you know, sacrilegious, but I, I think musically that song is is superior to Let's Go Fly a Kite. I mean, Let's Go Fly a Kite is great. It's iconic. Everybody knows it. But just structurally from a music standpoint, I think the new song, No Way to Go or Nowhere to Go But Up is better. And I think that the kind of triumphant feeling that you get with all the cast at the end, I think is is stronger. I do think the movie is also 25 minutes too long yeah. uh, for sure. And part of that is this lamplighter song related, trying to be like step in time. I just thought you could have cut five minutes just off of that song alone. It's a very long song. It's so long and it just gets boring. And at that You're talking point, about Triple Little Light Fantastic? Yes. yes that's yes, the one yes. that's going to be nominated for the Oscar, by the way. Oh, that's I, unbelievable. I it. That's just cr- long. That's, uh, yeah, it's just too long. Yeah. It's too long. Uh, is it really going to get nominated for? It's because that, of that's it's the, a, the Miranda effect. Yeah, that's the, that's yeah. the one that they're pushing. They, they've they've um they're pushing two songs for the Oscar. Triple Little Light, Fantastic is the one that they're mainly pushing, and, and then uh, the no the place where lost things good, go. Good, good, good. Yeah, uh, those that are that the two the that they're pushing. Song. Yeah, I think my my two favorite songs were Lost Things Go, and then it was between between the uh, the Dalton. Dalton Musical. Whatever that is. Dalton Musical. And honestly, the Nowhere nowhere to Go But Up. I that's think that's great. great too. That's a good song, too. Yeah. So, anyway, sorry to talk so long, but I, this movie it just has meant a lot to me. The original. I, I've seen a lot of, now that I've seen it and started reading reviews and such, I've seen a lot of blowback that it's just not worthy of existing and all that stuff. And while I normally would agree, especially in a case like this where it is so close to the original. I think that I still left the theater with a massive smile on my Mm. face. I got emotional a few times. They do a lovely job of recycling some of the musical themes into the score from the first one. Yeah, Yeah, just little small things. I have a hard time not liking this movie just because I love these characters and I love the world. And I thought it was really sweet uh, what happened with the, the younger kids from Mary Poppins now being the adults and that role reversal from the first one. So overall, I really did like this quite a bit, even though I was disappointed that it, it I just feel like there was a missed opportunity that could have been fairly easy to uh, tap into. Hmm. And they just, uh, they just went the safe route. For my feelings on the original Mary Poppins, um, I, I didn't really watch this much as a kid. This isn't one that we watched all the time. I, of course, I saw it. You did, really. I don't know where I was. <laughs> so so I, 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 I grew up liking it, of course, uh, but I didn't grow up with this, a, a strong affinity for it. I didn't have strong feelings towards it. Um, but, but, again, definitely liked it. And it's honestly been so many years since I saw it. So I actually rewatched it just a couple weeks ago in anticipation of this film. And um, it was so different from, from the way I remembered it in that it was very long, just like this sequel. And it was, it's so funny that it's just, I didn't realize how much it's, it focused, the original focuses on the musical numbers over plot in a lot of ways. It's more just kind of a, a way to get from musical number to musical number that have great themes. And so that's kind of how I went into this film with that, with remembering Mary Poppins that way. And I 100% agree with uh, most of what Chad said. It, this is very much exactly like the original film. It's light on plot, and, and what plot there is, is is so reminiscent of the first film. And that's definitely the most negative thing I have to say about it. It feels, it's so funny. This must be the new Disney formula, because it, it's it's very similar to The Force Awakens in a lot, in, in, in a lot of ways, in that it kind of recycles 
the plot of the first film in a lot of ways and does its own thing. Now, I freaking love Force Awakens, so that's not a knock. It's just a, it's just interesting that both this and that do the same thing. That's a great comparison. That's true. So the story, just like the first one, is a way to get from one musical number to another, but the songs and numbers are so much fun. I agree they're not as memorable, maybe, as the first film, but while I'm while I was watching them, I had so much fun. The best thing about this film is that the tone is perfect. It is light and fun and sweet and charming, and it's not afraid to be those things. And so it's just so much fun to watch. I had a smile on my face almost the entire time. There are very there's very little in this film that I disliked. Overall, it's it's a light film. It didn't move me greatly. It it uh, it didn't the the plot didn't necessarily grab me. But um, fantastic choreography and costume design and production design, visual effects are, are just top notch. And it's all led by an amazing performance from from Emily Blunt. I really really liked this movie a lot. I I, I would come close to saying I loved it. I, the the we've we've referenced it multiple times that the Royal Dalton Music Hall that whole animated sequence is amazing. The visual Agreed. effects are stunning. The way that they merge 2D animation with 3D is just uh, amazing. I, I think it is phenomenal. I think it I, I might dare say it should win the uh, Academy Award for visual effects. I, I, it is phenomenal. Overall, I just really, really enjoyed this movie. There are certainly some weak parts. I think the topsy-turvy scene with Meryl Streep is easily my least favorite part of the entire film. I really disliked that quite a bit. Well, I, I guess I should say, not disliked. I just, I, I was oh, bored I, by that I sequence. Hated it. I, hated I disliked it. it. I disliked it. I think you're on the right track. But yeah, but overall... Get into I, the dark side. <laughs> overall, I have very little bad to say about this movie. I, it's it's far from a masterpiece. It, it didn't move me too much, but it is pure fun. It is so charming, and it's deeply enjoyable. So um, I, I highly recommend this. I think this is a fantastic film. So that those were my well, thoughts on Mary Poppins. Uh, so what else did you? What else stood out to you guys, especially in comparison to the first film? Well, I really loved uh, the the song "The Place Where Lost Things Go." Um, I think it's it's a movie or it's a song that just um, it it transitioned the movie from from kind of what we've all been complimenting it for, which is having this great light tone, and into an introspective, um, meaningful. Uh, um, thing that I, I a meaningful tone that I really wish, like Chad said, that, that they had kind of dwelt on just a little bit more. And I think it's it's fantastic. I, I would say it's kind of their answer to feed the birds. It's it's just a great, really. Uh, what the the main song that I found that was most moving was was that one. I was mostly moved by the uh, Chad already referenced it. The, the Ben Wishaw song that he sings to his wife. Which I think good. that yeah. that whole scene was the most moving part to me uh, because it's the one that feels. Uh, the most honest and it also felt like that was the one of the only songs where they probably sang live like it felt just really present and um, his performance was fantastic there and that's where just kind of like Chad was referencing that's where it kind of felt like the movie might differ from the original in a lot of ways or maybe it's going to focus more with Michael here and then and then you know we know it doesn't but uh, yeah that was definitely a highlight for me I think that's one area where this movie is clearly better than the first one in one with one exception I think the performances overall just from an acting standpoint in this film are stronger than the first one except for Emily Blunt now I think Emily Blunt is great but I think 
part of my problem with this is she plays she plays Mary Poppins a little bit safe for me. In general, Julie Andrews played Mary Poppins with kind of an edge while acknowledging that it's still really uh, very good. Almost mysterious and slightly dark that I don't think comes through quite as much for Emily Blunt. There are moments where it does, but overall she's just, she's, you know, she's quippy, but she gives in fairly easy to everything that they want to do. Let's do this. And she's like, well, okay. I do think there's this little bit, and it's hard to quantify. It sounds ridiculous to say, but I do think there's this little bit of edge, a little bit of fire that is missing from her portrayal of, of Poppins. I would say almost the exact same thing about Lin-Manuel Miranda's Jack. Um, where he's he's very much supposed to be Dick Van Dyke, um, Bert, and he's just not. But I, not that he was bad. Don't much like you're saying with Emily Blunt. I don't think that he was bad at it. Um, and and he's got some songs that you know are right up his alley that seemed written for him, which was great. He's just he's just not Dick Van Dyke. But he he is so cast in that same exact role um, that it felt it felt. Um, he was. It almost felt like he was underused. Instead of why, why don't you find him something else to do? But it's fine. His uh, accent, his British accent, yeah, is is overdone. I, I think that's a clear reference to Dick Van Dyke's accent yeah. in the first one, where it's intentionally bad, over the top. It doesn't sound like a believable, you know, Cockney accent or whatever. But it also just sounds bad even though it's intentional so so i don't know i was a little mixed on him he does an amazing job in the performance he does an amazing job uh singing the songs but the accent just kind of got on my nerves i agree i agree so daniel i know that you said this was going to be spoiler free but i have to give just a spoiler warning so if you don't want to be spoiled on a couple of plot elements then skip ahead for about 90 seconds uh, and then come back. I agree with that, uh, Daniel. I, I think that that didn't really work for me as well. And I think that comes back to what I was saying about about Poppins and specifically that first scene that we were talking about with uh, with Michael Banks, older character, is that this movie could have been really transcendent if they just would have leaned more into exploring the theme of loss and yeah. losing the mother. You have this unique opportunity with Jane and Michael Banks, who we love from the first one, and he's lost his wife. He has this beautiful scene. And, and they're almost about to lose like, their house as well. And they're about to lose their house. You have all these really, really serious things to explore. And it seems as if instead of leaning into that loss, what they do is they, they show very much like the first one. They show that the dad is messed is, is the one that's messed up and is having having a hard time. But they didn't give enough outside of one scene that, which sets up lost things go. And it happens so quickly. They've had a wonderful adventure and then they come back and then the youngest Banks kid says, but I miss my mom. And then they sing the lullaby. And that's really the extent of, of kind of manifesting their, their struggle with it. And I feel like if they had used the, the loss of the mom for these kids to manifest some, some you know, quote-unquote bad behavior or something and then used that to kick off the rest of the movie well, into a different Amy. direction, it really would have been much more impactful, I think. They use it as a framing device, but then they don't really explore it very much. So... I think that's the. I think ultimately that's why audiences are outside of their not liking the music as much. They're just not able to fully wrap their their full heart around it because it just doesn't go there to make it different enough. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. And while still being great. Yeah, that's the thing. I was going to say, you know, it's it's still a fantastic film. There's very little bad to say about it. Um it's it's phenomenal. It is so much fun. Very very enjoyable. And just light. So, uh so yeah, anything else you guys want to say about Mary Poppins Returns? So before we leave this discussion, I did want to talk about cameos. So we had Dick Van Dyke, who I think he's he's in his is he a hundred yet or getting close? I I think he's in his nineties for he's sure. He's definitely in his nineties, and it was a surprise for me that which by the way, and I hate to be that guy, but having not seen the trailer, I did not know that he was going to be in Same. this uh, in the movie. Mm. And so when he came out, it was. My audience was thrilled, and I was delighted. And it's amazing that he, at his age, he's still doing all that dancing. What yeah. did you guys he think about that specific by the cameo? Way, Ninety-three. Ninety-three. Yeah, that's he was phenomenal. Great. He was great. Uh, it was it was awesome to have him there. Uh, you know, again, like we said, Lin Manuel's character is so much Dick Van Dyke's character from the first film that it just it felt it felt right for him to come back as the banker character. So yeah, it was great. And I have to be honest, I got a little emotional when it did the callback to the first film where the toppins yeah. the tuppins that they gave that, was so good. Uh, that they originally intended for the for the lady for feed the birds that then became the deposit, which paid off in this movie sixty four years <laughs> later was awesome. So good that was. That so cool how convenient oh daniel <laughs> no it was, it was good it was good. so cynical <laughs> hey question question for you daniel mr cynical so give us some odds here or, t- or talk to us about there's probably some oscar potential yeah. here somewhere what so what's the story there yeah so uh you know the film already got multiple golden globe nominations best com- best film comedy or musical emily blunt was nominated for actress comedy musical um, a, a couple other things and uh, so yeah we can definitely expect that it'll uh, repeat a couple of those at the Oscars a lot of its Oscar shots are far from guaranteed so I'm so some of these are on the edge I would say that Emily Blunt getting a, a best actress nomination is likely I'm predicting it it's uh, but I would say she's probably the fifth contender so she could get bumped out it's definitely possible but I am predicting her to get nominated I think I think a lot of people I think enough people really love Mary Poppins and love her performance as Mary Poppins that she'll break in there likewise we can expect for sure this film to perform very well in the technical categories so uh, visual effects costume design uh, score maybe and then at least one best original song nomination uh, two of the songs made the short list for uh, best original songs at the Oscars. so like I uh, said earlier trip a little light fantastic and the place where lost things go so oh, um, please be place where lost things. Go, I, I don't count on it. That's not the one that they're pushing. So Ugh, they're pushing. I didn't sing it. Yeah. So they're pushing trip a little light. Fantastic. So that one's, I would say 95% chance that's getting nominated. And oh, then man. maybe place where lost things go gets nominated. But I actually, I'm not predicting both to get in. And then best picture is within reach uh, or a nomination. I should say is within reach. Um, I, th- I do think this film could get in now it's, it's underperforming a little bit at the box office that could change over the holiday weekend. If it starts to do really well, um, that could definitely change things. It also, upon release, it started getting slightly worse reviews. It's still very positive on Rotten Tomatoes and those things, but the early critic screenings were absolutely raving about it, saying it's a masterpiece, and now it's kind of kind of dipped down a little bit. So, Best Picture nominations within reach, 
but again, just like just like Emily Blunt, it could get bumped out. But uh, it definitely we could see quite a few nominations uh, on nomination morning for Mary Poppins Returns. All right, well let's go around the horn as we normally do and uh, give our recommendations of whether you should see this in the theater, whether you should pay money to rent it whether you should stream it with a platform you already have, like Netflix or Hulu or whatever, or whether you should skip this altogether. Tyler, what do you think? Absolutely. See this in the theaters. The musicals, uh, musical numbers are great. The animation, like you said, Daniel, is in one scene just out of this world and, and should win the Academy Award for it. So it's it's good to see that on the big screen. And especially, come on, it's the holidays. You know, Go to a movie with your family. If you've got kids in the family, they're going to love it. It's clean. It's good and enjoyable. Absolutely. Go see it in the theaters. Chad? 100% agree. See it in the theater. Not, I would disagree slightly with the statement that it is, that it's light. It is light, but I think this is light in a different way that a lot of movies that we get these days are light. I think this has, I think this has a, a beautiful message at its core and it's a true throwback, which is a strength and a weakness, but it, it's a true throwback to old fashioned filmmaking as far as just being unashamed sweet and fun I am bummed and a little surprised that it's not doing great at the box office I think it's like around 30 million or so where the movie that we're about to review uh, is is crushing everything else but I think this is worthy I, I would just recommend to everybody don't let negative reviews stop you from seeing this because this is something that I think you'll enjoy I concur. I think this is a, a film that is worth seeing in the theater. I think it's big, it's bright, it's beautiful. Uh, and so it'll be great to see at the holiday. This is the perfect holiday movie right now. There's there's nothing better you can go see with your family. It is so much fun for, for just about all ages. So absolutely, 100%, see this in the theater. All right, and that about wraps up our review of Mary Poppins Returns. So let's move on to the next film in our double feature, Aquaman. My father was a lighthouse keeper. My mother was a queen. But life has a way of bringing people together. He could unite our worlds one day. They made me what I am. I've been looking for you. Your half-brother, King Orm, is about to declare war upon the surface world. The only way to stop this war is for you to take your rightful place as king. Trust me, I am no king. You do your best thinking when you're not thinking at all. That was the worst pep talk ever. And that was from the trailer of DC's latest attempt to save their shared universe. Aquaman from James Wan. The IMDb description is as follows. Arthur Curry learns that he is the heir to the underwater kingdom of Atlantis and must step forward to lead his people and be a hero to the world. All right, guys. So this is the much anticipated, long awaited that rhymed. I'm in Mary Poppins <laughs> mode. Uh, there's been a lot of coverage lately in the DC universe. We may be losing central characters from the universe, possibly no more Superman for Henry Cavill. We've heard uh, rumors and I've read articles about a possible just blowing up of the whole thing and starting from scratch. And honestly, a lot of what happens with this film is probably going to determine what happens going forward. We know we have another Wonder Woman coming up, but James Wan, who is a first-time director for, for DC, but has done some absolute 
absolutely stellar uh, horror films. He's directed The Conjuring. He directed Furious 7. Uh, he's known for being able to set up scenes very well uh, and moving the camera a lot, which we certainly got a lot of that in this one. It's doing extremely well at the box office. Uh, I think it's about 60 to 70 million statewide, but it's almost at 500 million international. I mean, it's oh, just God, absolutely, it's a crushing success for DC. Uh, we first met Jason Momoa in uh, Justice League. And now he gets his full time to shine here. A lot of people have complained historically about Aquaman not really being that interesting of a character and not necessarily worthy of his own feature. And yet here we are. So I am curious. Uh, let's start with you, Daniel. What did you think of Aquaman? Does this film give you hope for the future of, of DC? Uh, is this a worthy entry into uh, the continuation uh, of the universe? Hmm. Is this a worthy continuation? Uh, sure. I guess. Uh, that's that's gonna kind of sure, sum up. I guess. That's gonna kind of sum up my review here. This is one of those films where I just I just don't I just don't have a lot to say. I mean, here's the deal with Aquaman. Um, what what is there to say about this as opposed to other DC movies? It's it's spectacle and style over story or or genuine emotion, and sometimes that's okay, and sometimes it's not. Uh, this film is pretty much exactly what you'd think it is it's n no better no worse it's uh, a lot of the film works perfectly fine because they really went there with the visuals i mean there there are some oh, over yeah. the top sequences that are that are kind of dope and really well well orchestrated but the story rarely supported them they just kind of happened because hey it's time for our next crazy sequence action sequence and so at the end of the day, I saw this on Thursday. We're recording on Monday. Man, I'd, I'd be hard pressed to tell you much about the plot. I, uh, I, I, just don't, I just don't remember it because I didn't care even one little bit about it. The story is very forgettable. What I'm left remembering are some of those action sequences, which are really good. Uh, I think James Wan definitely deserves a lot of credit for some of these beautiful, it's it, it kind of reminiscent of Thor Ragnarok in that way, where there's just these beautiful images um, where you could tell he kind of started with the just this, this image in his mind and figured out a way to get there, which is not necessarily a negative thing. Um, it works really well. And then, and, and Jason Momoa, he's a pretty likable dude. So that helps. It, it was, it was kind of fun spending, spending time with him. He's, he's charismatic. And, um, I think he holds, holds the film pretty well. Even if he's not a great actor, he's still likable. I didn't find his performance great, but, uh, still enjoyable to be around. So if I'm being honest, that all, all of that felt like enough. Uh, when I left the theater, I, I felt like, you know, that that, that worked. The film kind of skated by on, on just those elements alone. Um, I can't, I honestly can't tell you if that's just because DC has lowered the bar so low that Aqu Aquaman yeah. easily clears it, or if the film just really does work fine as a, as a mindless action film. Either way, that doesn't really matter. I left decently satisfied. The film is fine. It's totally a perfectly workable action superhero film even if it's just not very memorable. Okay, a thoroughly mediocre response yeah. from Daniel. What about you, Tyler? Are you m more or less positive, or, or do, you, do you agree? Oh, I'm way more positive. I actually really liked it. And, and honestly, right. for a little while, the more, the more that I thought about it, I had it higher than Mary Poppins for a little while. Just, wow. Um, I know, which, is, uh, which I know is wrong. That's stupid. Like, <laughs> I, I love this because we didn't mention it at the at the top of the show, but you're obviously a co-host of the next Trek, right. and uh, it's good that you're bringing that Chris positivity <laughs> in his place. That's, that's this, true. He would love this movie. I have no doubt. 
And oh, I should say, let me interrupt Tyler one more time. Yeah. Tyler and I did a double feature on Thursday. He got into town late Wednesday night. Thursday, I worked Thursday morning, and then the rest of the day, we just we went to Mary Poppins and we went to Aquaman. And for him to like Aquaman and like after immediately later, like it was yeah, literally the Mary Poppins ended, and we walked right into the theater for Aquaman. And to to say that Aquaman is better after watching it immediately after Mary <laughs> Poppins is a disgrace. Continue, a disgrace. <laughs> oh man, you know I'm used to it. That's fine. Uh, and and that's. I, I do recognize that that's a little bit of an objective problem that I have because objectively Mary Poppins Returns is the better movie. It is better written. Um, the plot, uh, the the script, I should say, of Aquaman is not good. Um, it is, it's is—it's got some terrible writing, some terrible exposition. But at the same time, I, I do disagree with the plot, I, I with, with Daniel's opinion of the plot. I really liked it. Um, I liked. We have a quest story, and we'll get into the details of that uh, later, uh, past the spoiler wall. But we've got a quest story that's really, I think, it could have been stronger for sure. Where it's not, it's not quite Indiana Jones or anything like that. But, but at least it was not simply battles. We had some good. We there were some battles, and there were some some kind of chaotic frenzy uh, on the ocean floor um, toward the end. But we do have something that's propelling us forward. Jason Momoa is a charming guy. Honestly, like I, I love watching his scenes. Is he the greatest actor? No, he's not. But he's way more charming than uh, than Henry Cavill ever is in these movies. Even and I, I liked uh, Batfleck. You know, Ben Affleck did, does a great job, I think, as Batman. But he's no charmer um, in these movies either. Aquaman is the first time I think we've had fun in the DC universe. I would argue Wonder Woman had that as well, but that's fine. And she does a great job, and, and Wonder Woman is is the better movie as well. So on my list of the the DC extended universe, Aquaman is, is easily number two, but um, but Wonder Woman is yeah heads and shoulders above everything else. Well, as we move into Chad's uh, opinion on Aquaman, let's remind folks that he probably doesn't think Wonder Woman is a superior film, as as he didn't he famously fought with the other screeners about the third act of wonder woman so i'm rightly so i'm very curious to hear what you think of aquaman listen i will die on that hill that the third act of wonder (laughs) woman is terrible because it is i i've i bought it and i've watched it many times and it's still terrible i like the movie though all right so here's the thing this is a very weird this is a weird movie and it's weird, not necessarily in its portrayal. It's certainly zany, but I can't remember a movie, watching a movie, because here's my big picture review, and then we'll dive into spoilers here, but I can't remember ever watching a movie with a worse script. Mm. Yeah, it's terrible. That I still liked the movie, because <laughs> it's weird. And I think this may be the phenomenon that you mentioned, Daniel, with the lowering of the bar, because as we've mentioned on this show ad nauseum, I am a long-time lover of all things DC. Amen. I love those characters. It makes me angry when I hear people say things like, well, the characters in Marvel are so much better. And that's not necessarily true. They just were given to someone not named Zack Snyder who didn't torpedo our whole universe. Mm. So going into this movie, I wanted to love it. I think Jason Momoa, the way that they portray Aquaman in this universe is perfect. He's a bar guy who's hopping around. He's between 
between two worlds and he's just kind of a bro. And I think it's a perfect way to, to entry point for this character to interject some life. I think he's one of the few bright spots in Justice League. Here's what it gets down to for me is that I'm 100% on board with the idea that a, a film is zany. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a fight in this movie between two characters and it opens with a throwback to the Aquaman character with an octopus who's playing oh, yeah. the conga drums to do the rhythm for the back. I'm on board with that. No. Throw in your octopus. Let's beat the drums. Let's get <laughs> <No>. crazy. <laughs> Let's have a nutty kind of zany thing because we haven't had any of that in the DC universe. But here's the biggest problem. Lighthearted shouldn't automatically equate to dumb. And this script is so dumb. It's real dumb. I mean, it. this may be... I still have a hard time understanding, and certainly it's easy for us to, to throw stones, but I'm just going to throw them because here's the thing. I don't understand how people get paid to write like this. This is – this. there are moments, not just one, but 15 moments where full conversations are literally just exposition dumps. Yeah. They're sitting there. Characters are not talking like People talk. Nobody talks this way. All they do is state the thing that they want the audience to know to frame the stakes or give us information for what's about to happen. And that's just lazy and terrible writing. I am going to agree, however, with Tyler that I don't think that the story and the plot in and of itself is bad. I actually think that's a good way to tell this story. They just didn't write it well. What we were doing and what was happening that was driving the story forward, I think is fine. I think that's a good way to frame this world and for us to get into it and understand who Aquaman is as a character and get a fleshed out view of what this world is like. It's just written so poorly that at every turn where I thought, wow, this is going to be good. It's like, what? Come on. Nobody talks like that. Despite all those things, I still kind of liked it. Almost everything that I'm going to say about it, almost, is going to be negative. And that's why it's weird that I still find myself kind of liking it. I mean, it has jokes that absolutely don't land. I felt no emotional connection to anything except for one Thing, when we get into spoilers that I'll talk about, there's a moment between Arthur and Mara, the character played by Amber Heard, where they are essentially trying to show that she is coming to appreciate and like the surface world. And it has maybe the worst audio cue that I've ever seen. And then they cram 20 minutes of character building into a 90-second montage that is the most yeah. dumb and ridiculous thing I have ever seen. And then right after that 90 seconds, it's like we're supposed to believe, oh, she gets it now. This movie is full of all these shorthand attempts to force uh, to force us into relating to and pulling for these characters. And then it spends all this extra time that it should have used on the characters doing dumb things. Like, if I get one more freaking title card that says something (laughs) like and now we're at the kingdom of wherever of you know you've got atlantis now we're at zebel i mean there's like 20 of them the political drama there's there's more than five (laughs) there's 55 if there was five there's 55 every freaking time they have names like deserter (laughs) 
<laughs> Listen, yes. Every time they pulled one of those, at you know, it, we're at like the two hour mark, and they pull another one, and I'm like, what's happening here? They they double down on the political intrigue behind the reasons that Atlantis needs to pull the kingdoms together to go to war, and that's the least interesting part yep. of this movie. Right. So Just boring. stop. We don't so need boring. any of that. Well, Just it, give us give us like five minutes, which is like Atlantis is mad. We must go to war. Fight Aquaman. The end. That's all we need. Let's get to it, right? Right. But they double down on all this stuff that is just not interesting. And yet, my good friends, somehow, <laughs> by all, it may be a Christmas miracle, guys, because it's it's Christmas Eve. I was entertained by this film. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I like the you. way that the camera moves. I think several of the set pieces are fun. For me, since since Tyler ranked it, I would say for me, this is the third best DC movie behind Man of Steel and Wonder Woman. So this Ooh. is probably the third best. Man of Steel? So, yeah, dude, don't start it. Tyler, oh, don't start it. Don't we can't go there today. Oh. We don't have time. <laughs> but yeah, I think those two I think those two films are superior to, to this one. But this is better than all the other ones for sure. But that doesn't say I, much, you know? It, <laughs> it does. I don't care about if I ever watch this. Again. Right, right. <laughs> but like, uh, so anyway, that's where I landed where I didn't hate it. And for me with my journey with the DC films, if I can leave not in a complete state of rage, <laughs> then it's a victory. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, oh. what what more can you say about it? I mean, I I would agree. I, I would say that this is better than Man of Steel uh, by a hair, but uh, oh, it, you by know, far. How dare you? No, um, it, it's just such a low bar. Is this where I want the DC universe to go? Not really. You know, I don't. I I can't watch four or five more of these movies. Uh, I mean, will. I mean, I will, but I, <laughs> but I don't want to. Uh, it, it's fine. I, I think I think that's the best thing to say about this movie is I left and thought, okay, that was that was okay, and and nothing else. That's it. I, and I won't think about this movie again in about a week. Anything else you guys want to say before we uh, jump into spoilers? I'm genuinely so surprised that at how this film is is outperforming Mary Poppins. I really, I mean, I know it's Aquaman, I know it's DC, all that, but, uh, man, I thought Mary Poppins would be doing really, really well at the box office, so that's a big surprise to me. I did, too, and another another movie that we are going to review in a bonus episode down the road, uh, Bumblebee, mm-hmm. is getting really high, high marks critically, but all three of those movies released you know, around the same time. And I think that's part of the problem is there's just not enough, not it's, enough to go around. It's so fascinating. If you look at those three movies opening on what the same is day, this world coming to, right? well, I mean, I guess Mary Poppins opened a couple days before, but, but basically they opened the Essentially same week in the same window. And, yeah. and uh, I think it, it's a funny scenario where all three studios thought that their movie had the best shot to outperform the other ones. They all yeah. thought that they were going to be number one at the box office for very valid reasons. Yeah. Uh, and so that's just a real, it's, it's very rare that you have kind of a convergence of three major properties like that. Yeah. And uh, I guess Aquaman because came out the winner. Bumblebee well, and, is the lowest Transformers opening by far. It's around 20 and million it's by weekend. far the highest. Yeah. One. But that's not a huge surprise to say that that's the lowest grossing. Like that's not a big surprise to me. I thought it would gross more. Yeah, but twenty million. I yeah, think that, is a surprise. that's low for sure. But it's not like I would have absolutely guessed 
a, a long time ago that this would be the lowest grossing of the franchise. Um, so that's not a huge surprise. I I, I do th- I, I think it was pretty clear that Aquaman was going to gross higher than Bumblebee from the start. But $20 million is a lot lower than I would have guessed. For sure. All right, guys, let's go around and give our recommendations, and then we'll jump into spoilers. Same question as before. Should people see this in the theater? Should they rent it? Should they stream it on an existing platform that they already pay for, or should they skip it all together? Daniel, back to you. I'm going to do what Chad always loves. Uh, I, I I am so mixed on this question. I, I don't I don't freaking know. Um, there he is, people, not making a decision <sighs> once again. Uh, uh, so there are lots of reasons to th- see this in the theater because it is big, it is bright, it is action, it is... Uh, it's it's got a lot that you want to see on a big screen. So I, I think if I'm hard pressed to give it an answer, yeah, I guess see it in the theater. With the caveat being, there are a lot of great movies in the theater right now that are better than Aquaman. So Aquaman might be better suited to the theater. You should support good movies, not just the ones that are bigger and and crazier. So see this in the theater only after you've seen Mary Poppins and a bunch of the Oscar contenders that are out there right now. Tyler. I'm going to say very similar to what I said uh, with with Mary Poppins. This is a, a movie that I wouldn't say it's maybe – and Chad, you've got younger kids so you could uh, you could say about this. But, but I think this is a family-friendly movie in general. Uh, there's – um, there's, you know, no, no sexual content, no nothing like that. This is a good, a good movie you can go see at Christmas. It's going to be fine. I dare say maybe go see Bumblebee first just because it's weirdly getting – you haven't awesome even seen reviews. it. I know, but I'm just saying it's it's. I don't know if you're if you're just sick of like Daniel. If you're sick of DC, go see something else. But I loved it. I thought it was it was beautiful. Um, I'm I'd say go see this. Uh, you know, just I do my do scale it, on a worthiness scale and not a Daniel scale, which is well, if you're this person, <laughs> you should see this, and if you're this person, and so it's really very difficult for me to to full throatedly say this is theater worthy because the movie is not very good although it has moments that are very entertaining so i i think a large percentage i saw this movie in 2d imax and a large percentage of this movie was actually shot in full screen imax and so i'm gonna say if you can see this in a theater that has really good sound and visuals and all that i'm gonna let the visuals alone tip the scale for me over into theater worthiness but just barely so uh so yeah there's my strong recommendation so with that let's move into spoilers for aquaman the first rule of fight club is you do not talk about fight club well you look nervous is it the scars you want to know how i got them there's so many places it would never occur to a hawk to hide However, the reason the Führer's brought me off my Alps in Austria and placed me in French cow country today is because it does occur to me. Because I'm aware of what tremendous feats human beings are capable of once they abandon dignity. And in the dream, I knew that he was going on ahead. And he's fixing to make a fire somewhere out there in all that dark and all that cold. And I knew that whenever I got there, he'd be there. Then I woke up. I mentioned earlier in our non-spoiler section that there was only one time where I felt any sort of emotional connection. And I'm going to be honest about this. I thought the opening of this movie was great. Not just good, but actually great. The tropes of 
two outsiders coming together is well worn. The trope is, and it it works. And so this idea that these the the, the dad and his mom Lana come together uh, as outsiders and fall in love is great. I, it actually worked for me. Specifically, there there's a fight scene where the soldiers from Atlantis finally oh, come to get so her, good. and that fight scene in that house is next level awesome. I I was it gave me such hope at that moment. I thought. Am I going to love this movie? Have we finally done it? And then it, the idea of, and this is, this is a soft spot for me, obviously, as a parent of a six-year-old, but the idea of then a, a parent having to make the decision to leave their family and leave their child at that age because they just have to, to keep them safe, is always heartbreaking for me, even in a comic book movie like this. And so I thought Nicole Kidman and that whole section was really very good. And then, of course, at the very end, you know that he goes down to the pier every morning and it's super melodramatic and, and on the nose works. but it works it absolutely worked for me nothing else in this two hour and 30 minute thing did uh, from an emotional standpoint but that bookend i thought was really very nice and i thought the setup with the action and and you see how james wan moves the camera i thought okay from an action standpoint this is going to be pretty great and unfortunately for me although there were some really good sequences i think that may be one of the best in the whole movie and so it kind of took a step down for me from there so and in that whole sequence I, I agree it's that's it's pretty good i don't know if i'd say great but part of it is uh, i love nicole kidman um, <coughs> but i did not think her performance was very good at all there so that kind of bothered me she was just very uh stiff and then the other part of it is this movie and seemingly all the rest of dc movies do is that they they just they do effects shots even when they don't need effects shots. I agree with I, yeah. I agree with you like on this. Like standing on the pier. They're just standing there. They're just standing at an ocean. That's all that they're doing. There's no nothing crazy happening. And it's a green screen. It's an effect. Yeah. And yeah. it it doesn't look good. And that 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 sort of thing is throughout this entire film. And that Agreed. is that is Zack Snyder. Like that's his, yes, it that's is. his fingerprints right there. And so yeah. it's like guys save yourself some money here or i mean maybe that is the cheaper way to do it i don't know but it, it, it this movie has so many effects shots that are needed and and, nece- and necessary and, and like good all the underwater stuff you have to do that effects that th- it just when you see it when you don't need it it cheapens it and it makes everything else just look worse and so that whole opening is full of that effects shots where you don't need effects shots and so it just it just bothers me and looks cheap. So, so I don't know. I, I like the opening, but s- some of those few things kind of made it worse. I totally agree. And I think in this scenario, it was probably a creative choice, not a money choice yeah. where, cause everything is very oversaturated and yeah. it's gold. And I think it's probably, cause it's definitely easier to shoot on the soundstage than it is to shoot sure. at a real pier by the ocean. But you're right. It makes it look extremely cheap. Uh, and so I think they probably just, who knows why they did it. It was a terrible decision, but they also paid people to write the script. So there's lots of terrible decisions (laughs) related to this movie for sure. I tell you what, I thought when there's a moment when they're in the Sahara on this, uh, in this desert. And I thought to myself when they broke into this cave and they're looking for this, you know, this item, I thought to myself, if I were 12, this would be my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> I mean, I really did. I was like, this movie is going everywhere. They're yeah. in the desert. They're in Indiana Jones-like caves. They're under the ocean. And I thought this would be my favorite movie of all time. But I'm not 12. So, <laughs> you know. Well, and that's, that's actually, it's, 
what should have been this movie is a pure stripped down um, quest story without all this political stuff that that is distracting and and confusing. My parents went to see it last night and they said that was confusing. They couldn't you know kind of figure out who was on whose side because um, yeah. by the end of it all, you know, you have these crab people fighting people on seahorses fighting other people who are in other ships that you're not sure about that look like jellyfish like it, it's yep. I, I mean who's I was fighting able, who and what does it mean and and why does it matter when when i think i think daniel said it earlier you know it should have just been or maybe it was you chad um it should have just been oh atlantis is in turmoil maybe get a couple of shots of that um, Aquaman has to save them so he's going on this quest it should have just been stripped down patrick wilson doesn't work as as a you know big bad uh, he's he's a nerd who is really good in the conjuring movies like that's how i always see him i don't see him as buff action star i see him as you know ed warren from the conjuring movies so yeah. it's it didn't work in that way but it should have it, they should have gone with what did work and and have this weirdly charming quest narrative and speaking of what did work so in my theater it was fairly full i'm going to say maybe 70 percent full and you expect in a film like this to have moments where fans break out into applause certainly on an opening weekend where you typically have your your hardcore people there but there was only a group of about 12 people or so i'm estimating obviously that were really into it and it just so happened that i sat in the middle of them <laughs> literally in the middle of them and so on either side of me was which actually made my enjoyment more because i it was a parent on either either side and four or five kids between the ages of, I'm going to guess, like six or seven, all the way up to like 10 or 12. And they were fully into it, cheering and clapping and all that. But the best part was literally right behind me over my shoulder on either side were these two grandmother age ladies. Uh, one was an African-American lady. One was a white lady. And this is not an exaggeration, people. Every time. Let me say that one more time because this movie's two and a half hours long. Every time Jason Momoa was in a shot without his shirt, <laughs> both of them went loudly, Woo, man, Woo, Lord, somebody's going to have to help me. Every time, guys. It was oh, wow. hilarious. They were so oblivious. And if it were in any other movie, I would it would have driven me crazy. But because it was this movie, it was great. Uh -huh. I mean, it was a comment every time about they would they would they would ooh and ah and they would clap. It was crazy. Wow. So I love that it. may be why I enjoyed this movie a little bit more. It's because I was surrounded by people that were full on. Let me ask you guys, what did you think specifically about the reveal of the full Aquaman suit? I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, they shot this with the Entertainment Weekly cover in mind. Right. So it's fine. It's good. And, I, you know, it worked in the movie. It, it was an enjoyable moment. But it just bothers me that the framing of, of all these shots as if they're like, oh, okay, this is got this is going to be a, a, a still here. So we got to we gotta really frame this up perfectly nice. And so it just, but it's, it's too, like too, too, too much of a crafted moment for it to feel, I don't know. Good. See that's but what works fine. for me though. That that's exactly the thing that works is is these images that could be stills. I mean, th this should be again. These are these are this is art after all. I mean, with varying degrees of quality. But there are some moments in this film, some some um, shots in this film that are art worthy. Um, when they're when they're swimming down with the trench, that's the, great. the creatures from the trench following them. It's beautiful, you know. Um, and then there are some that are that that don't work as well. Um, but yeah, you know, it's the it's the hero shot. He's finally in his uniform. And yeah, I'm I'm down. I think it was great. 
Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you and say I really liked it too. I thought that suit looks pretty cool. It's the, you know, it's the traditional Aquaman suit. And of course, the way they shot it's ridiculous, but yeah, it's still kind of cool, man. I still liked it. I still liked it. It's really funny. We'll have a couple more things here and then we'll go. But, you know, Julie Andrews does not have a cameo in Mary Poppins, but she does, however, appear in this film doing the (laughs) voice of the creature. I don't have the name in front of me, but the creature that that Arthur has to fight at the end to claim the trident. And who would have thought that in this weekend that the movie that won the weekend would actually have Julie Andrews and it wouldn't be Mary Poppins. Did you guys have any idea that that's that was her? Yeah, I had heard about it before. I I heard she was in it, but actually I had to ask Daniel. I was like, where was Mary? Where was not Mary Poppins? Where was Julie Andrews? Uh, afterwards yes yeah she's definitely mary poppins you can say Uh, it uh so can we talk about how similar this movie is to black panther um uh, story wise i mean it's it's about now kind of kind of flipped though with where right where uh michael b jordan's character is aquaman and black panther is uh, patrick wilson's character uh it's 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 about this kingdom where there's a one guy on the throne they have a whole challenging secret they have to fight to see who's going to take the throne and all this like it's it's the same it's so similar i was just kind of surprised and i you know i guess for for both films a lot of that it comes from the comics but i was just like really in the year of black panther you're gonna do you're gonna do this okay well i mean if hollywood's known for anything it's rent repeating the same <laughs> stories over and over True. and over and i'm glad that this movie is better than black panther so i think that worked out okay what i just had to say it daniel i just wanted to see how fast your head would explode <laughs> no that's a very good point it actually is it, it for sure is the reverse so anything else you guys want to say i did i did notice i don't i want to ask you guys if you noticed something we know that james wan has a background in horror and so he likes jump scares i think this movie literally set the world record of cinema I'm serious. I want to call Guinness on this for the number of times people are in conversation and then an unexpected explosion happens. Oh my gosh. People down. I mean, it's a world record people. It had to happen six or seven times. Every time someone not every, I could not believe it after about the fourth time I just started expecting. And I was like, be careful if the score dips here, something's going to blow up. It was the craziest, (laughs) craziest thing I've ever. Did you guys notice that? I I absolutely noticed that. Yeah. It's so dumb. Now, I will say the one jump scare that I thought actually worked was in the trench sequence when they turn and there's a creature on the boat. I think that one's pretty good. Not scary, but good. Uh, And that was one, you know, now that I think about it, that was one sequence that I think visually and from a stake standpoint that sort of worked for me. I got into that and and the the image of them swimming straight down with Mm. all of those creatures I thought was really cool. And that chase into that that moment where they chased them into that kingdom I thought was really really pretty good. So that was one sequence I thought that worked well. So. Yep. Anything else? I know Daniel doesn't care. Tyler, anything else you want to say before we go? <laughs> no, <laughs> Daniel's than, already I, given up. You know, honestly, I, I'm I'm just I was so pleasantly surprised by it. And again, maybe it's that that DC effect that, you know, the bar is so low that anything you know we're just like clamoring for anything slightly good but i i really enjoyed it i thought it was great daniel one last word from you and then i'll wrap it up eh. <laughs> and there you have it wow <laughs> i'm a little bit more positive than eh and uh like i said i think this is probably my third favorite oh, um it's my second favorite about that it's my Your second, second favorite. favorite behind wonder woman yeah okay same okay 
All right. Well, I think it's my third, and we can we can certainly revisit. I'd be I am always up for a revisit of Man of or Man of Steel anytime. Just let me know, Tyler. I would need I, you I to convince come, me. It, it's I oof, will come prepared. Oof, it hurts me. Okay. Okay. And listen, I, I know very few people that are as big a fans of Superman as I am. And I'm a and huge so, fan, and I that's why I have a problem with it. I actually I think it dishonors the Superman character pretty significantly. Ooh, Dishonor. Ooh. Yeah. ooh. Now you're talking strong language, my friend. Okay, we're going to have to schedule this for sure. So look for that in a future episode of The Screeners, people. Overall, I think this movie is good-ish, but has maybe the worst script I've ever seen in this 30 minutes yes. too long. It feels like both of these movies were too long. This yeah, movie's they too were. long as well. So come on, Hollywood. Tighten this stuff up. And if you need somebody to help polish your scripts, come to The Screeners. We can help you because this is <laughs> not you. acceptable writing. It's not acceptable writing. You're listening to The Screeners Podcast. Thank you guys for joining us. That does it for this episode of The Screeners. Wanted to say a big thanks to Tyler again and remind everybody that Tyler is a co-host of an awesome podcast, The Next Trek. You can follow them on Twitter at The Next Trek, and you can subscribe to the show on all your favorite podcast hosting services. Thanks again for joining us. Stay in touch. We're going to be very quickly reviewing Bumblebee, the third movie released this weekend. And very soon after that, we'll be doing our best of 2018 show. It's going to be great. I'm sure we'll also have some Oscar bonus episodes as we get closer. And you won't want to miss that. So thanks, everybody. We'll see you again soon. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to screenerspodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.